Over the Ball is brought to you by Soccer America. Soccer America, the soccer paper of record. Go to SoccerAmerica.com and sign up for your subscription today. More information on all our sponsors at OverTheBall.com slash sponsors. Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn and Dave Gallego. Today on OTB, Gigante Rojo, Big Red, Alexi Lalas is going to join us on the, on the pod. Uh, I did not get close to him in Anaheim at the Soccer Coaches Convention, which has just gotten wild and out of control. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when it was a small little affair, and now it's huge. But I think it speaks to the, I don't know, just the growth of soccer in this country. And it's just wonderful to see it. All these people, Dave, they were passionate about the game. Uh, you had people selling nets and, and coaching lessons and all kinds of electronic gear that, you know, you strap across your chest. All this stuff that I didn't have when I was playing, but it was great to see. We'll have to uh, get out there next year. We, we actually did over the ball at a couple of the soccer coaches conventions in years past, but uh, we haven't done one since uh, COVID. So uh, maybe we'll go back next year. Did you buy me a net from the convention? Yeah, you your net bought you nothing. I'm one of those guys. I didn't buy myself anything. I... You know, like when you're a player, you get so much free gear uh, that I, you know, I had so much and I gave it away to my friends. And actually, a lot of them are like, hey, do you want that uh, sweatsuit you gave me? I'm like, yeah, it's the, only one, <laughs> it's the only one I'd have. Donate it back. You know, but, um, but it's so funny. Like when I first started going to these conventions, uh, I remember Hank Steinbrecher. He was the secretary general of USSF. He said, uh, you know, he went from soccer to Gatorade and NASCAR and big racing and big money. And one of the things he was saying was, you know, when you go to these soccer conventions, everybody's got the mullet. They're wearing the, the slide, you know, flip-flops from Adidas. Like, he goes, it's a business. It's the business. There's two things. There's passion, but there's also business. And so it seems like business is uh, is catching up with the passion we've all had for this game for so, so long. So, yeah, uh, I mean, back in the day, all I wanted was a brand new pair of my Adidas Sambas once a, you know, once a year, and I'm good to go. Oh, my God. I tell you something. Sambas? Used to do the Hartwick tournament every year. They didn't have a football team. Soccer was king up at Hartwick yeah, in yeah. the tournament. They'd have all this team. You wore a pair of Sambas, you were getting lucky. That's, <laughs> that was part of the package. A pair of Sambas and a mullet, you were good to go. So, uh, <laughs> so it'll be fun to talk to Lexi. I've, I've known Lexi for a long, long time. Uh, I remember being, I was one of the young ones in the game. And then all of a sudden, this young Lexi Lawless came uh, by and um, kind of a walking soundbite. The kid, he, he definitely always had that sort of. Uh, Quick opinion, quick clip that you could always talk about. Hey, actually, he's joining us and, now. He's getting speak on. Of the devil. There he is. The so, devil's uh, here. What's up? El Diablo. Hey, how we doing? Not El Diablo. Gigante Rojo. So, <laughs> how we doing? Red. We okay. hear you, brother. So welcome back from uh, Anaheim and the, Thank you. and the Soccer Coaches Convention. I was just talking to Dave uh, Gallego, who you have not met, Lexi. He's uh, right there in the lower what's up, buddy? left-hand corner. Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? So, um... So, Lex, Dave and I were just talking about, you know, I go way back further than you even. So the way the convention has changed, uh, it's just it's wonderful to see all that stuff. Uh, passion has finally met business and commerce. This game continues to grow. Um, what, what are your thoughts coming back from the convention? I mean, look, well, to a certain extent, there is, um, you know, still some similarities or I, I guess still some things that remain and, and long may they remain in terms of track suits as far as the eye can see okay <laughs> we, just, we just talked about them yeah and flip-flops i mean it is it's yeah 
it's nuts, right? And, you know, and back in the day, it would be kind of like gazelles and sambas all over the place. Um, and, and, you know, that's retro now, right, uh, for right. people. But um, it is insane to see, first off, how big it's gotten. Uh, and not just the the booths that are selling the wares, some with, you know, huge uh, multi-billion dollar companies and others with right. kind of startups out there, which is always fun to just kind of walk around and see all, you know, all the new stuff and all the different gadgets and tools that are going, right. especially in this day and age of tech. There's a lot of tech, uh, obviously, uh, out there. But then all of the, the education that goes on, too, and all the different coaching courses and the different seminars that are going on. I was, you know, uh, for Fox, I was uh, there on a panel with myself and Carly Lloyd and Landon Donovan and Moa Du and, uh, and Warren Barton talking about this summer and the things that we're going to do and kind of giving people a, a look behind the scenes. But man, it's a convention. Either any way you slice it, and I guess that it has elements of a, a Comic Con and, uh, and and every other thing out there. Right. And that there's some weirdos. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of weirdos. Maybe oh, even yeah. I would be consider myself one of those. <laughs> but uh, all in all, it was it was fun. And by the way, the bars at the hotel, as you can imagine, are insane. Yeah, but it's a, it's pretty much a lumber fest. It's a penis stacked up like cordwood. For God's sakes. Lots of penis. Lots of penis. Like a pirate ship there. Huh? A lot of pi- a lot of penis. A lot of a lot of. <laughs> Flip flops, a lot of sambas, a lot of sweat. Sword suits. fight? Yeah, nice little sword no, fight. No, no sword fights. They get the urinals now. So, uh, so good, Lex. You know, I was I was thinking about you. Um, you know, just I was talking to Tommy Mower. I think you probably know Tommy Mower. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be. I wrote a, bur- a blur for his book, and I actually saw him at the uh, convention. Yeah, he's going to be our guest next week. I played with him in the indoor league. He was one of the characters of the game, and you know, one of the guys who a lot of history there. He had a Mark Pele as a like an 18 year old kid i mean these opportunities that we had kind of before you were around a little bit where if you were an american and you were playing soccer it was an oddity where you could sort of step on the pitch with these guys because nobody recognized them because nobody knew who they were really uh and so it was a lot of fun so it's it's good to see the change but you thinking about you you've you were this player and when i was working for espn and interviewed you you always had a sound bite even back then as a player so even a player uh, you went into management and kind of coaching and then in the broadcast booth. Talk about what you've enjoyed the most out of those three and, and why. Well, I, I looked at them all relative to being an entertainer uh, and performing. And, you know, whether it was, you know, and, I, and obviously music has been a huge part of my life, too. And I've, I've always loved to perform. Um, and I'm really lucky that even though I, and I was actually I'm actually celebrating 20 years on from retiring from kicking a ball. And that I'm still making a a wonderful living and still involved in the game, even though I don't kick the ball anymore. Uh, I'm incredibly proud of that and that this world has been created, uh, you know, even by by you guys and everybody that has come uh, up and plenty that came before, you know, Tom and all different people out there and all the work right. that they have done on the field. We all stand on the on the shoulders of of, of others and shoulders of giants, and uh, you, you pass it you pass it on. But it uh, you know it, it it warms the cockles of my redheaded heart uh, to see <laughs> what this game has become, the opportunities that we had. If I look at it now, um, you know, the, the the television really affords me again to kind of be on stage and to perform. And 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 I always looked at it as even when I was walking on the field, you know, the field is a stage basically, right? Um, you put on a costume, which is the same thing as a uniform. Uh, you go out in front of an audience, which is the same thing as a crowd, and you perform. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. But I've also met so many players and I've seen so many athletes over the years that get to the end and none of us go out, you know, in a, a, a riding off into the sunset. It never ends right. the way you want it. I've met so many of them that 
are chasing that thrill and chasing that feeling again. And I'm here to tell you, you will never find it. I'm really lucky that I found something in, in the form of TV that gives me the opportunity again to do some of the things that, that I talked about. And it also gives me a juice and an excitement and an adrenaline. It's never going to be the same because it's a different type of adrenaline. Right. But I can even argue that it's as good and in many cases better because uh, of the things that, that enables me to do that maybe even on the field I wasn't able to do. Yeah, I tell you, you use the word cockles, and uh, we love that. If you could throw, throw that into every <laughs> so a drink, British. a drinking game. So, so in terms of being on the stage, so with the podcast, uh, how many how many listeners do you have on your podcast on average? I don't know. I've never asked anybody. I I mean, I just kind of did more this. than us. More than us. Let's put it that way. Well, I was going to say, let's say you have let's say you have thirty thousand or whatever the number. I was going right. to say between the two of us, we have thirty thousand listeners. Hey man, quality over quantity here. Okay, I mean uh, it's uh, it's 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 a fun it's a fun medium, as you guys know. Now everybody has a podcast out there, but also everybody has this ability and this platform, and let, let, let's be honest, this megaphone, especially through social media, to put stuff out there. From a music perspective, by the way, it's never been easier to record music and to and to distribute it. That's the good news. Bad news is everybody can record and distribute it. Everybody from a podcast perspective, or even. Yeah, we call them podcasts now, but it's really just another platform when it comes to broadcasting media out there. Everybody can do it. And so you got to cut through all that flotsam and jensen and, and figure out a way to, you know, make something resonate out there. And it's not easy because everybody else is trying to do the same thing. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, uh, so you touched on the fact that you are outspoken and you are very candid and I respect and appreciate that because it makes things more interesting and you cut through the bullshit, which is fantastic. So, have you damaged some of your relationships because of your candor? When I first stopped playing uh, and then got into television, I was much closer to players. I, you know, I was talking about players that right. either were my teammates or I had played against. And I think that that's a little tricky. For example, you know, Carly Lloyd. Now that we're working, she's oh, yeah. still close. But as oh, yeah. as, she, as you get further away, but you know, to her credit, she's got incredible fearlessness in the way that she talks about even players that she's played with and played against. Absolutely. So yeah, it was it was a little bit. I don't know. I always kind of looked at it in a in a greater sense of this is what the sports needs. And even when I was playing, we didn't have enough of that from a sporting perspective. And so I wanted right. more we and more people. A, and we so. didn't have any of that. I mean, yeah, you know, I know. She, so th this was the role that I was born to play. Well, look, look, let me, is not being let, too let me just say something here, you know, and, and Lex is from, uh, you know, a little generation after mine. But we were always so weary of criticizing our game because people took pop shots at it. Ignorant yeah. oh, yeah. pop shots. It was absolutely absurd. Even Bill we Maher the, the other night. Bill Maher the other night said something about, you know, quarterbacks and if they're hurt, oh, it's so boring, it's soccer. Well, this is a guy, he knows nothing what he's talking about about the game because it's incredibly exciting. So what I, I think this, and Lex, what you're sort of saying is like, we've moved on to the place where, yeah, we can be critical. This game is here and you got to take your lumps too as a player. Yeah, yeah we do the way it. it works. So, like, like everybody, a lot of people were critical of the U.S. women's team, and mm -hmm. you know, on the outside looking in, it's easy to be critical. But when you have somebody on the inside, like Carly Lloyd, I mean, that's it. Your your back and forth with Carly Lloyd was incredible. Was fantastic, and she's she's using little examples like, okay, if you have an appointment with the trainer or the massage therapist, and you don't show up, it's like, you know, the the team, the the attitude of the team just changed over the years. Where once upon a time they were more respectful and now they just kind of expect it she was very candid and 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 you know lex you're the same way i love it keep it going buddy 
Well, I, th- I appreciate it. That's very kind of you. But to, to your point about, the, the, I guess, the changing world in which we live in, the soccer world in which you live in, and we are transitioning out of a period where, and I'll raise my hand, I'm part of it. I know you guys have been around a long time, and so you've seen it or even been a part of it where um, we can be incredibly insecure and, and have an inferiority complex. But to your point, Kev, it, it comes from a, a good place in that we are very protective of this sport. Right. And as it's gotten bigger, that's that's great. But, you know, the slings and arrows are still there and it still makes you wince. But I do think that as our generation, <laughs> I guess, for lack of a better phrase, starts to die off, this next generation is much more comfortable and confident in what we are. And I hope we never... I hope we never lose the fact that we are um, American soccer. And right. yeah, it's different. Yeah, it's unique. It's, and it had to be coming from a very different type of culture and climate. But I do think that there's a, there's a power and value in what American soccer is and can be. And a lot of it is going to come from, you know what? We're not going to apologize anymore for what we right. aren't or what people say that we aren't. This is who we are. This is the culture that we have. I'll put it up against anything out there because of a lot of the things that we have had to go through both on and off the field. But it's also right. a work in progress and it's getting bigger and better each year. And these kids that kind of wake up today in this new world, I don't need them to say thank you. I don't need them to look back. I just need them at least to acknowledge and maybe understand that when they get up and they see all of these pathways and all of these different opportunities, not too long ago, that was not the case. And again, right. stand on stand on shoulders and go ahead and do great things for all these uh, these young men and women, both on and off the field going forward and use those opportunities. Don't waste them. All right. So I, I want to interject here because uh, along that those same lines, um, I, I like Fox's coverage. They've given American players, former players and Americans a voice with this game because it's our game here. And one of the things that's always sort of just been a hair across my ass has been basically the, you know, the foreign accent. Now, I, I'm friends with a lot of the guys that are. Now, I'm, I'm saying this, and I've said it to, to Burley and Nickel. I, I want American voices to talk about the game. We do American sport. We do sports better than anyone in the world, really. And I think a lot of the world can learn from some of what we're doing. Um, not some of the stupid shit, like, you know, no crossing the halfway line offsides or any of those old rules. But um, I want to hear more American voices calling this game because guys who grew up with it, guys who played it, played in college afterwards, they're broadcast and they don't get the, the opportunities. And the one thing I'll shout out for you with Fox is you guys do a great job uh, with that. And so kudos to you on that one. Well, I don't think we actively say, you know, we are, are targeting American. But by the way, the definition of American, you know, can go a lot of different ways. Sure. We want, sure. We want good people. And if they have to be American, great. Um, but what, one thing that we won't do is throw out American voices simply because they're American. And I think that that has changed over the years. But you got you guys know we've, we've been around where yeah. um, you just have, a, especially when it comes down to the, 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 uh, the English language, obviously a British accent. Uh, that, is, that is money for people. And let's be fair, for a lot of us growing up, that's what we associated with genuine and authentic type of soccer. And that was right. where, that's what we heard when we watched the games. Yeah. And that's what, we, that's what we saw. And so in order to kind of, again, that insecurity that we have, well, in order to be real and authentic, then it has to have that soundtrack that we grew up with. But right. now that started to change. And that's a good thing. And we have wonderful folks out there, um, you know, that, and, and again, it's, it's not so much the actual accent, it's, it's your, your background uh, and your understanding of what's going on. But 
saying soccer or pronouncing it with an American accent when you do talk about soccer, where in the past it might have been a, a quick trip out of the booth right there. Now, not only is it, it is accepted, but maybe in, in certain ways it is looked at, hey, this is, this is a better representation of what this is going to be uh, going forward. Right. Yeah, I mean, the, the pinnacle of sports broadcasting is John Madden and his analysis of football games. And, you know, over the years, people have tried to reproduce it, and it's tough. But people, they do a very good job. In terms of the soccer landscape, you know, like Ty, uh, Taylor Twellman, he does a great job. He's very analytical, and I, yeah. I enjoy I enjoy it. I mean, he's outspoken, too. Uh, so, you know, he, he, he does a great job. I wanted to ask you about, speaking of uh, the World Cup and soccer on TV, so is there a, when when you're playing in the MLS especially in the days you played I mean you you know you played in front of 10 15,000 people and the TV audience was was not huge but now you're playing in the, when you play in the World Cup and now you realize that there's 15 million people watching does that <laughs> affect your performance or I mean are you just flat out nervous to begin with because you're playing on the world stage but when you analyze the fact that it's all the people watching you live but then there's people watching on TV how does that affect you Jesus what a wind up holy wow. shit I mean no listen oh it's I, I'll be honest with you um I always growing up in the 70s and 80s I never had you know the vision or the ambition to be a world cup player it wasn't on my radar to be able to do that and that's just unfortunately the the age that I was growing up in so I always right. looked at whatever level I got to as if this is as good as it gets, then it's already more than I thought when I was growing up, including walking on the uh, on the field. I'm talking to you guys today because of the 94 World Cup and the power of a mm. World Cup, what it can do to an individual. Um, right. But I also was in a strange way. I was prepared because I knew, look, timing is everything. And I was born at the right time because it's one thing playing in a World Cup. It's another thing playing in a World Cup in the United States. And sure. I knew this was a great opportunity to, we didn't call it back then, but to kind of um, establish my brand, if you will. That's what the kids would say nowadays. <laughs> and the way that I looked, the way that I talked, everything that I did combined with the talent and the ability and hopefully the success on the field you know, that was a, a good winning package. And that's what I concentrated on. The fact that there were a billion people watching. Again, I guess in my American head, it didn't calculate. So I didn't have time or, or the wherewithal to be <laughs> to be worried or uh, or frightened, um, you know, or nervous about it. I just can say it's funny, uh, you know, as a stand up comic and as a player, you were talking about was asking about the nervousness and you know, part of it as a player. The only time I would acknowledge the crowd as you come out. Uh, and then you forget it that, that first you get that first elbow in the in the solar plexus or whatever and you're suddenly you're there you're on the pitch you're not anywhere else I feel the same way about when I'm doing stand up I walk out I acknowledge the crowd and then you're just you're in your zone and yeah, but um, Kev, let me ask you something okay you're 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 doing your stand up in front of x number of people but now you realize it's being live streamed and now there's 15 million people watching you certainly that has to come into play especially for the US team that's the underdog and people are going to be scrutinizing you more than these European nations I or just, South American nations I just think you'd block it out of your mind now, Alexa would be able to speak to that better but I mean when I was on television more I didn't think about it I thought about being in the moment and and trying to give a good concise answer i, I never mean, when we, the, like i never used the words cockles or a jetsam float thing, but i <laughs> i i definitely you know i don't have a thesaurus but hey lex i gotta interject this first of all um holy shit 
the Lions, dude. You got oh. me so happy. Huh? You got what, me so my happy. wife, a couple nights ago, my when they won, my wife was tears streaming down her face. It was complete bedlam here in Los Angeles where, where I live. Yeah, I mean, it, this yeah. is great. It's wonderful for the city. It's wonderful for the history. And, and obviously, relative to the futility when it comes to uh, winning playoff games, this was a this was a big deal. The way in which they did it and obviously oh, the, yeah. narrative, the narratives with the quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. But more yeah. importantly, I just thought it was a great celebration and I was I was moved and I was proud watching it for what you know Detroit is I guess it's what it's become and I and maybe even what it's hoping to be going forward because we're on like what Detroit 4.0 at this point and right. it was just fun to see a positive uniting type of thing that also resulted at the end where everybody went home happy because that has not as we know from a historic perspective grown happened. men crying grown men crying in the stands 30 years and Insane. You know, as a as a red sox fan i just empathized with that whole cleansing nature of making the playoffs so it was uh, it was unbelievable dan That's campbell so- for president there we go, right? I mean, and now we got another home game, and so we're going to rev it up here and, and do all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun thing. I re- you know, I haven't lived in, in Michigan, uh, and I grew up, for those that don't know, I grew up right outside of Detroit in the suburbs of Detroit, and I was a huge uh, hockey player and a huge hockey fan. I mean, it's the law over there, and so my uh-huh. my Red Wings are near and dear to me. And But, I you know, I went to the Silverdome and would watch the uh, – well, by the way, I would watch the Lions. I, I even went to the Silverdome and watched the Pistons when they played there. Obviously, in 94 in the World Cup, we actually – Actually played World Cup games there. My first yep. World Cup game ever was 15 minutes from where I grew up. So Crazy. this history, Fantastic. you know, especially when it comes to rest in peace, the Pontiac Silverdome uh, over there is is uh, is nuts. But sports are, are obviously a very very big part of of the Motor City, and you know it's it hasn't gone great for the Pistons of late, and the the, the Red Wings are a little bit better now. But I'll tell you a real quick story about my 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 son who. Got into hockey. I immediately put him in front of the television and had him watch Red Wings games. And a few years in, he came to me and said, Dad, listen, um, you know, I, I like hockey. I like watching the Red Wings, but they never win. And it never <laughs> occurred to me that his entire view of the Red Wings was in a losing capacity because he was he didn't live through the heyday. He didn't live through the great years and the right. Stanley Cups. And so I said, all right, well, pick your team. And it was right when the when Vegas was coming about. And so he went with Vegas and immediately they go to the, the Stanley Cup. I had to explain to him, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> it always worked that way. I was, uh, I'm out on Nantucket actually, by the way, uh, right now. And um, I taught your wife's sister's son stand-up comedy out here and he did a great job he was very very funny oh my um, goodness yeah yeah but i uh, it's a small world but yesterday lex you should have been with me uh got off one of the worst flights from la to boston i mean it was terrible and then and then the next day i go to this guy's house i don't want to say his name because he's a he's a big uh he's a billionaire with a b oh boy and yeah and he has this compound 47 cars ferraris porsches rolls royces they're all in this one thing and i go Wow, man, this is unbelievable. He takes me through the whole thing. And then he opened up this other room, a thousand guitars. <gasps> oh, shit. And I'm like, dude, I knew we were talking to you. So I was like, wow. Holy shit. Uh, Paul McCartney's guitar. This one, you know, he went on tour with um, with the Hollywood, whatever, I think, with Johnny Depp and oh, the Hollywood yeah. Vampires. Hollywood Vampires. Vampires. That's right. yeah, so, oh, my God. That is awesome. Uh, have it. it was like, I go, this is a, a man cave to the 10th power. And he goes, Kevin, if you want any of this, stay single. I said, well, it's, it's it's too late, dude. It's too late for me. My story's written. But, uh, but it was amazing. Him, did you tell him about your Honda Civic? Yeah, yeah. Gotta get rid of those. No, I've got uh, – I've got. he actually was asking me because I do collect cars. I have a 1985 Volvo. 
It's pretty what? boring to collect. It's not a Ferrari. <laughs> and then I have a is it diesel? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay. So, you know what? My father uh, got it for me when I got out of college, so it's got sentimental value. And then nice. I have this 95 Land Cruiser that uh, I just love. And, you know, if it gets buffed out, college kids walk up like, dude, nice wheels. So I know there's, it was cool. My daughter hated it. She goes, Dad, why do you drive old cars? I go, I don't know. I just, I like this truck, you know? And then once the college boys were like, hey, that's a nice truck. She's like, oh, oh you can keep it, Dad. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Boy, now you're now you're cool, Dad. I have two teenagers cool, at home. I can't get any more uncool if I tried. Man, oh, man. Isn't it amazing? Isn't oh, it amazing, Lex? It is. TV. I, it is you know, brutal. I tried to explain to him. I said, you know, there was a time when your dad was okay. And, you know, people, you know, actually. You know, yeah. Had some, just, had some cool red hair, played the guitar. Kids like, have to take some tips. Oh, uh, the I, eye rolling I, is just brutal. It Would really you is. Sit on the couch and play YouTube, uh, like quote unquote, accidentally put YouTube clips when they're in the room. Like, hey, look! Because no, they they would have to sit next guys. to me. They would actually oh, have to God. be in the same room with me, and then actually stay there for a, a period of time. So whatever. I, I always say I have a daughter, Lex, and so uh, sweetest girl around. And then all of a sudden, she got to be about. 11, 12, and I'm walking her home from school, and, and the sound effects started. No matter what I said, she'd be like, yep. <laughs> I'm like, what did you spring a leak? Oh my God, what's wrong? <laughs> we, we, had, we, had our, we had our daughter first, and then a, a son. And yeah. for those that, you know, it doesn't, not for everybody, for a lot of people, you know, do- girls are so easy when they're little. I mean, she, right. I mean, she was like, I got this dad, you know, when it came to potty training and everything, it wasn't even a problem. Right. And boys are a fucking, they're a pain in the ass. Right. Yeah, and then they right. do this, then they do this flip and I can, I can deal with moron, which is what my son is. Like he's a moron. Right. I know he's going to be a moron. That's just the way it is. So I can deal with moron, but like right. a teenage girl, it is a, it is a whole nother level of understanding that I am not capable of. And so I just, I pick and choose my moments. And sometimes, you know what, I'm not going to die on this hill. I'm going to learn to fight another day and just, uh, just kind of wander out of the room. You know, uh, a friend of mine was with the former president, Obama, and Obama asked him, he said, Don, you know, do you have kids? Yeah, I have kids. And he goes, oh yeah, I have a, a daughter. He goes, how old? He goes, uh, she's 14. And he goes, oh. She talking to you? He goes, no. He goes, no. He goes, what is it with them, man? Fourteen to sixteen, they didn't want to talk to their dad. He was Even if you're the leader of the freak uh, three world out there, it's like, yeah, you're still dad. You're still dad of me. So, um, speaking of politics, like I got to ask you this because um, mm-hmm. you know I followed you, I've known you for a long time. Um, you're getting a little political with some of your tweets. What's uh, what's the deal? Because I'll tell you my scoop here. Uh, I've made fun of every president we've ever had. Um, it's part of the comedy thing. It's you know what we do. Uh, people got wiggy over the last, uh, you know, election to say the least. Yeah. And so I kind of stopped because I thought, well, people are coming to, to laugh and get away from some of that stuff. And here I am, you know, making fun. Um, and the woman said something, I came off stage the other night and I just made a, a joke about Trump cause I had met him and we were looking at this painting of Trump that he's holding the tennis racket with the big flop of hair. And, um, he kind of snuck up behind me. And when I turned around, he goes, I wish I still looked like that. And I, I could have said, hey, man, you never looked like that or <laughs> something clever. And all I said was I looked at him. I go, um, we all do, which is like the dumbest thing. Like, I don't even know what that means. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Right? So, And it wasn't even that bad. It was not like I was making fun of him. And, right. and I did something about Biden saying, oh, he's so stiff. Every time his head moves back, I'm afraid a Pez is going to shoot out of his neck. You know, like. And so she got offended. I'm like, over that? So I'm like, uh, I'm washing my hands of it. But you're putting some political tweets out there. 
Um, what do you think? What's been blowback or, or yeah, yeah? I mean, look, obviously, in this day and age, I mean, the blowback is the fact that we are kind of a, a nation divided uh, for mm-hmm. the most part. And so, you know, probably not the most prudent thing in terms of attracting people. Um, however, you know, we, we live in this in this moment where I do think, and this, this is both maddening to me and, and saddening to me, I guess mm-hmm. it would be, in that we were all kind of, to your point, not only a sense of humor about things, but we were kind of bold or emboldened to, to, to say things now. And I do believe that there are just a lot of people out there right now that are scared to death. Um, and so they, you know, we, we kind of choke it down, we hide it away, um, what we actually think, because we're so, like I said, scared of letting it out and you know, the ramifications and the blowback and, you know, everything from just I guess, criticism from somebody to canceling and, and shaming and all the different stuff that can come come out there. And that's that's no way that I want to live, but that's also not a country in which I want to live in. And I can laugh at myself. I can laugh at Donald Trump. I can laugh at, at anybody, right. at anybody out there. But I also don't think that, you know, me talking about the fact that I'm a registered Republican, okay, or, you know, talking about politics and things that I truly believe in when it comes mm-hmm. to what we are, I don't think that that should, that should define me as the type of person that I am relative to some of these, you know, crazy insinuations and associations that we make, we make with people. I'm a good person. I believe that I'm a good person. It's up to right. you to decide whether you think I am too. Uh, but, but ultimately, I'm also, to your point earlier, I, you know, I'm honest about who I am. And I guess I was just tired of, you know, constantly biting my tongue and constantly, again, just choking it down and not saying what I thought out of fear of, you know, what people are going to say or offending somebody um, or right. to your point, just having somebody not like me. If you don't like me because of who I vote for or the the way that I lean politically, that's that's your problem now. It's not my problem anymore because I can like you even if I vehemently disagree with the things that you say. And by the way, to my dying breath, I will fight for your freedom to be able to say those things and to be able, be able to say them unfettered. And again, it doesn't mean that there isn't discussion and robust uh, criticism at times for the things that you that, that you say. Sure. Um, but again, just the 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 fear that seems to have permeated our country and culture in terms of saying things out there. Um, it just got me, it got me bummed out. And so I just wanted to kind of, you know, poke back at that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I could just say one thing, uh, cockles, (laughs) thank you. Cockles. We're getting t-shirts made. Bringing it back into the soccer realm. I have to ask you, you have you've had a lot of honors, a lot of rewards throughout your your life. I mean, you won the uh, ninety five U.S. Soccer Athlete of the Year award. You won. Go, the, he's going deep, Lex. He wow, went, yeah, he did a, I love it. Doing a little due diligence. Uh, oh, you know, uh, the Herman Trophy, so the soccer's version of the Heisman, and then of course you have, I believe, you have eight solo albums. Is that correct? Yeah, so I continue to put out music and and albums and to write and to do all that kind of stuff for all three of my fans, including my mom. And I'll put it out another one here in the next couple of years. Every couple of years, I seem to put out something uh, for the uh, the masses. And again, when I say the masses, I mean the, the the two or three out there. But it's something that's near and dear. And speaking of my mom, you know, I'm like I'm sure many of you and and the people people that are listening here. 
she used to send me down the two blocks to Mrs. Van Heusen's piano lessons. And I went kicking and screaming and, and, you know, cursing her name. And I love her for it now because it introduced me to something that's been with me ever since. It's something that I love to do, something that I have a passion for, uh, something I'm good at and something um, that has been in my life even well beyond the actual the kicking of the ball, like I said. And so, yeah, I continue to do music and it's something I love to do. I, I took up the guitar, Lex, over, um, over COVID. I wrote a one man and I did a, this guitar. I have never lost myself in something as much as when you go to that place, when you're playing the guitar and I'm horrible and I'm sitting alone and I just love it. You know, just, just strumming a couple of chords. I got a bar chord or two down and I'm like, I'm in heaven. My girlfriend's like, do you want to play in front of people? I'm like, absolutely not. I'm just chilling, enjoying myself. You're the, you're the only, you're you're the only guy that took up guitar, right? And normally, the traditionally, you take up guitar to get girls, right? So you're the only guy that took up the guitar, and then when the girl wants you, no, 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 I can't possibly. What the hell? I do. No, she, you know, she, she uh, I did my one-man play, and it's an hour and a half long. And after we bring some friends back to our house, and I'm still talking, telling stories and stuff, and she's like, will you shut up? Oh, my God, you've been talking for three hours straight. I'm going to bed. I'm like, oh, hey, all right, sorry. Yeah, I, I got a I couple more I know, here, guys. I know what she means because I wasn't done with my question. I didn't oh, get my answer, sorry, damn Sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, my God, I can commiserate with her. I want to know. What oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold it. I just uh -oh. want to say, Lex, wait, on, the more. on the musical thing, when I was interviewing with ESPN and Bob Lee, our mutual friend, yep. Uh, he said to me, you know what's great about Lex? He said, he's trying to write a song a day. Uh, I think when you were, when you yeah. were working and, and I said, you know, it must be therapeutic for Lex. He's just like, just clear his mind, 100%. get into another yep. space and, yep. uh, and, and open it up. So it's also right. a, yeah. it's also a diary almost. I can look back and I can, I can see, I can see all of that kind of stuff. And it's pretty yeah. cool. It's pretty cool to see how, um, it tells a story of where I've been and what I've done. All right, so I, wanted, back so I wanted to ask you, so uh, amongst all these accolades, what would you say is the, the, the most dear accolade? I mean, the Herman Trophy is phenomenal. Making, playing in two mm -hmm. World Cups, phenomenal. 95 U.S. Soccer Athlete of the Year, phenomenal. What do you consider to be top shelf? I mean, as I said, the 94 World Cup changed my life forever, and, which is why I'm so excited about what's coming in 26. Um, yeah. And because, you know, you guys will remember the landscape was very different back in 1994 and you used 1994 and 1999, by the way, with the women's world cup, uh, to kind of propel it forward. And now it's coming back on steroids, right? I mean, the, 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 the sports landscape and the soccer landscape in the U S now in by, and by the time 26 happens, it is a completely different universe, but there is still this opportunity going forward. But if I, you know, I look back, I'm incredibly lucky. Uh, I guess you know, in the vernacular of of modern day, I'm incredibly privileged to the, of the things and the opportunities that they got both on and off the field. And whether it was, you know, the, the the places that I played and the timing of the World Cup and all that, and then going over to Italy, but also working in front offices for a number of years, and then transitioning into uh, uh, to television. I'm, I'm it's I I am I've come a long way, uh, and I still make plenty of mistakes. Believe me, but I I love what I do, and I search. I, I never ever take it for granted. I mean, uh, they can pry it from my cold dead redheaded hands, and they will. The young'uns are coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, well, you know, Lex, you've worked hard. You've always had an opinion. Uh, but you know, like I was saying, I was referring to that with Bob. You've you've always worked really hard at it, and you put yourself out there. And I think you're also not afraid to fail. That's something sure, new. And, sure. and you know, so and, and in that. In that line of thinking, I'm just wondering, sort of here sitting listening to you and kind of knowing you, your intellectual curiosity, your use of cool words. Um, 
Is there any possibility you go back to Michigan and run for political office? I don't know. I, so I was talking to my I wife. See that I was talking to my wife actually uh, about that. Um, so my in in my capacity now, as we said, um, you got to have a pretty thick skin, and I've developed one over the years. Yeah. Um, but it is it is a, li- a limited skin in that you can't protect the ones that you love and those closest to you, especially when you get into the political realm. You know, I was just watching the Iowa caucuses yesterday, and you know regardless of what your political affiliation is, I think that we can appreciate the fact that this is a slog for, for these, for these folks and they're going day in and day out. And in many cases they have, you know, their significant others and uh, sometimes the significant others aren't even there in the case of Nikki Haley or stuff, but they have kids and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it exposes them in a way that, you know, sometimes is, is not positive um, and could even be detrimental going forward. So I'm wary of something like that, but politics have always fascinated me. I love the, you guys will appreciate this. I love the sporting element of it and not just the competition, but the tribalism and the back and forth um, and, and the debate and the anal- and the, the, the analysts and the way that they analyze what's going on. I, I think obviously much more um, important ramifications from a, something like this relative to sport when it comes to uh, comes to politics. But there's still all sorts of similarities. And I'm a competitive guy. I have failed plenty of times. I've been fired. Things I've done haven't worked out. I've failed on camera and off camera, privately, publicly, and all that kind of stuff. And I continue to right. do that. But I do think that you need people to step up. You need people that have and I'll use the word courage. Um, and again, there are very le- various levels of courage because in the greater sure. scheme of things, you know, running for office or doing something like that uh, is nothing compared to, you know, someone that serves our country and puts their body on the line for me to have sure. these freedoms. Yep. But mm-hmm. it does take time and it does take effort and it does take, sure, an ego, but a, a desire to want to serve this country. And I, I, am, in, I am so indebted and I do have such a, a love that like a lot of people do for what I feel is the greatest country in the world. And I want to give back. I like to think that I've done it over these last 50 years that I've been oh, around, yeah. 53 yeah. years that I've been around. But there are certainly other ways going on. That's a that's a political answer almost in terms of its yeah. length. But ultimately, the, the answer is I would absolutely look at something like that. Uh, you know, and I think you touch on a great point. It's also with fame. You know, your kids don't ask for that. Yep. And so we, you know, we know as parents that they come first and regardless to our our goals and dreams, but, um, you know, it's all about character assassination right now and not so much topics. It's certainly not the Lincoln Douglas debates. So (laughs) I, 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 uh, I understand your reticence, uh, but you know, I grew up in a Republican town and voted Republican sometimes. And, and I think people like you should get back in the arena. I really, or get in the arena. Uh, you've always had a a soundbite and that's a lot of what politics are. Uh, you're opinionated. And I think, I don't know. I, I see it, brother. So if you, I'll help you with some fundraising efforts when you when your time another ten years maybe or I don't know whatever you're ready. I love it. I'll, I'll send you out before each and every campaign stock, yeah, and you just just decimate the front row. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll just I'll open with like ten dick jokes and just like squash your campaign right away. Just turn to the side and please welcome. <laughs> Here he is now. Uh, you know he's like that's it with whenever I do this, some of these corporate events. They're like they either go so well or they're so bad where you, people are looking around going who. Who invited a comedian? It's like, uh, I, I got hired. I, uh, HR would never allow this. HR. I know. Right? Everybody's hey, what, worried about HR. Think, what do you think's going to happen? I mean, the comedians, uh, you guys are going to comedian. That's what you do, right? right. I mean, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, uh, all right. Well, Lex, man, this has been great to catch up with you, pal. Uh, I'm in LA. Let's get together. Um, but appreciate what you're doing on air. 
Um, and uh, on the ball, off the ball, you've stayed with it and uh, all your interests, musical and all that stuff. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that Lex was a great hockey player as well at, at Rutgers. So, um, oh, know, my like, goodness. Uh, oh, my the old, goodness. The old, we used to play three, four sports, and uh, that's kind of going away too now. So. God, we sound like a bunch of grumpy old men here. This is, we this are. is crazy. We are. Yes, we are. We are. We are. But, you know, sometimes grumpy old men are pretty interesting and funny too. So exactly. I appreciate it. It's very kind of you guys to have me on, yeah, and, uh, and I love talking. You know, to Lex, you. let me just plug your podcast. So it's the uh, State of the Union sure. podcast where he discusses the uh, biggest stories in the world of soccer, kind of like ours. Um, so, yeah, so check that out, everybody. And, Lex, great chatting with you. Thanks for your time. And we look forward to doing it yeah. again soon. Thanks, guys. See you, Lex. All right. Always great to talk to Lexi Lalas. Uh, Dave, I, I'm sorry I didn't get to – you have so many questions to ask him. we got to have him back on. He's uh, it's incredibly interesting and, and brave sometimes because, you know – Sometimes uh, if I get criticized for, you know, after a show, someone tweets something, it bothers me. And it definitely, it's, you get in your head a little bit. And I think, I don't know, Lex, uh, you get to a certain age, you start to say, hey, you know what, screw him. Uh, this is my opinion. I believe in it. So great interview. I like to, I like to talk to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, it's so nice to, to, to listen to somebody who has an opinion and is not really afraid of what you think because – you know, I, I like that transparency and it, it, it does create insight because like I mentioned earlier, the whole Carly Lloyd thing, you and I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. She's telling you what goes on behind the scenes so you can formulate more of an educated opinion. And that's a, I, I want to do a, a, a pod on the women's game because I have a lot of opinions about that and it's not always been popular, but I think they, they did themselves a big disservice this last go round, and I think they were disingenuous to say the least. So um, it would be nice to to kind of line that up. I, you know, I interviewed her on Over the Ball, you know, years ago, uh, Carly Lloyd, and she's she is a great player. She's uh, really opinionated. She's a Jersey girl too, so she's got she's got uh, opinions, man, and she's willing to give them. So it's nice. Um, I wanted to ask you, Dave, of two things, uh, two quick things that we read. It was it. The MLS is making two changes, and I kind of like them. I have I wanted to talk to Lexi about it, but I um, one is uh, two rules: one injured if you're on the ground for more than 15 seconds, and you are then required to leave the pitch for two minutes for treatment, mandatory. Otherwise, it's called time wasting. So, what do you think of that one? First, I of think all? it's going to be more entertaining for the American soccer viewer, uh, less flopping, less nonsense. That's a huge turnoff. Um, so by having right. this rule, I think it's going to take away from that and it keeps the game moving. So I'm all for it. So that one I really like, uh, because yeah, if you are hurt, you know, like, you know, well, you know, when somebody's really hurt, but most of the guys are holding their shin, then you see it in slow motion and it's uh, got nowhere near their shin, but they're holding their right. shin. Um, so that will be a great way to end that. And then the other one is the substitution rule. The player has 10 seconds to exit the field. Otherwise the sub. We'll have to wait one minute on the sidelines before re-entering the game as a sub or entering the game as a sub. Anything that keeps the game moving, I'm for. Whether it's soccer, whether it's baseball, whether it's college football, just keep the game moving. Just keep it moving. You know, that rule they tried to make with uh, you have to leave the field wherever you're standing. So you'd have to walk around. And players abuse that as well. So I think this is, this is good because you got to jog off. you got to jog off. Who are they to walk? Uh, uh, you know, 80 yards across a pitch at the you know end of a game when everybody's waiting. It is time wasting. It's uh, and it, they've always gotten away with it, but this is a good rule. I want to see this too. I'd love to see this implemented, you know, by FIFA. Eventually. I mean, one another rule that rule change they're playing around with is you're now allowed to use your hands 
Yeah, really, that's a great one. Uh, Americans were dying for that rule to happen. Exactly. So we'll see how it goes. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. So, all right, man. Well, that's. Well, hey, did you, want uh, to, did you want to touch really quickly on Reyna? I, you know, I think this is a good move. Gia Reyna's in discussions. He's got a new um, agent. Uh, he's looking to make a move. And I think that's probably a good idea. I don't think, personally, he's a good fit for the Prem, for the Premier League. Um, the Sp- Spanish League. Creative player, good player. Yeah, I think maybe Spain would be a good place for him. Um, he won't go to, to, you know, play in the Dutch league probably, but I thought Italy was a good place for him, uh, maybe too. So I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens. He's probably getting out of Germany. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? It's interesting though, because if you read between the lines, so if you read the, uh, the soccer America article that mentioned, uh, his leaving the sporting director for his team said, it doesn't help to whine. So if you read that and then you think about all of the, uh, all the uh, tribulations that happened with uh, Greg Berhalter and the, and the U.S. team and everything that went down there. You know, it makes you wonder about this guy. Is he high maintenance? Is he a little B.I.? Well, I, I think he's a sensitive kid um, and probably uh, he's young. You know, and we thrust these young people in these situations where, uh, you know, you can't complain. I don't know. A lot of people think the young players have too much power now. But um, look, the, the He's a good player. He deserves to be on the pitch. And all he's doing is he, he wants a shot. And I think, you know, you talk about that Tom Brady anecdote where he said, you know, I'd only get two snaps at practice. And he went to the coach and said, I need, um, I need more snaps. And he said, you got to make the most of the two snaps you get. And when you execute those perfectly, maybe you'll get a well, third. Um, so, you know, there's that thinking as well. But I think it sounds like the die is cast and – uh, Geo's leaving. Well, I'm going to ask you one, uh, one final Dortmund. question to leave on. All right, would you, as a, if you're okay. a coach, uh, would you rather have mm-hmm. an incredibly talented player that's high maintenance, or would you rather have a guy that's a little bit less talented but will run through a wall for you? Because I'll take uh, that guy all day long. Give me 11 guys that'll run through a wall for you. Well, you know what you need, Dave. You need 10 guys that'll run through a wall and one for score. you, and you need one prima yeah. donna who will put the ball in the back <laughs> of the net answer. and will put up with his shit. <laughs> yeah, answer. so that's my answer. That's my answer. I'm sticking right. with it. Hey, so uh, congratulations again to Rich Hiltz for answering the trivia question last week. He's got himself a T-shirt. Um, please, uh, you know what? We're, we're rebooting this show, so give us a like on Twitter and Facebook and all of them. We're on all of them, but you know what? It really makes a difference when you give us the uh, the thumbs up or make a comment. Um, all right, so we'll be back next week. Our guest next week is a guy I used to play against when he was in Louisville, uh, Tommy Mulroy. This guy's had an amazing career. Uh, you know, something about Lexi was talking about, about the journey we've all taken. And he's a little older than I am, but uh, he got into the game really early, um, winds up marking Pele uh, at, at 18 years old. So he's got some great stories. He's got a new book out. So he'll be our guest next week. And, uh, and, right, and Kevin, everybody. I'm sorry, just a couple more things. And also yep. coming up uh, the following week, we have uh, Tony Miola, another U.S. soccer legend. And then we have Draft Kings. From Tony, uh, Tony, uh, Tony and Tina's wedding. That's uh, Tony Miola. Right. But of course, he would much prefer to be known as the U.S. Uh, story. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then we right. also have Draft Kings coming on to explain the ins and outs of soccer betting. So looking forward to both of those. And uh, yeah. My friend is comedian Jimmy Dunn. He's on uh, Frasier, the reboot of Frasier. Uh, he's got a great joke. He said, uh, yeah, I got a $1,200 bill from DraftKings, uh, you know, through the computer at the end of the football season. And he said, uh, you know, my, my bank account's connected to my credit card. My credit card and bank account's connected to my wife. He goes, so I had to tell her 
She wanted to know what the $1,200 was for DraftKings. I had to tell her it was the uh, the guys who spray the insulation in the roof. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he goes, and guess what? He goes, uh, honey, I think they have to come back next year. I don't think they got it all. So, all right, good stuff. So uh, for Dave Gallegos, I'm Kevin Flynn. Thanks for listening to us on OTB. We'll talk to you next time, everyone. Call or text us at 424-229-2247. That's 424-229-2247. 